Next Level Church. If you're glad you can be here, say yes. Yeah. Woo! Come on, let's give a shout to God. He's so good. Lord, you're amazing. We love you, God. We love you, God. Well, today, you guys, is a historic day in the life of Next Level Church because today we're launching our This Is Our Time series. And I believe that this series is going to be one of those monumental series in the life of Next Level Church that we're going to look back on for years to come and say, man, it was that season during that This Is The Time series that, that we as a church took a step forward, that, that we stepped into a new chapter of all that God had for us. But here's what I know. I also believe and I know in my heart as a leader and as a pastor in this community and in this church that I believe that this, this is our time series that we're in right now is not just going to be a pivotal time and, and a monumental turning point for us as a church, but I believe it's going to be a turning point, monumental, pivotal season for each and every one of us who call Next Level Church our home as well. And here's the reason why. Because at its core, a local church like this is a group of people. It's a group of people who are unified around a singular vision. And not only do we believe that this is our time to step into a new reality as a church collectively as we unveil the next step in terms of our first future facility and permanent location for us as a church. But I believe that this is our time for each of us as individuals, as single people, as married couples, as families to step into a new reality in our lives. Guys, as a pastor, as a leader, I can't even tell you how over the last several months I've just had such a strong impression in my heart that 2010 would be a turning point year. That it would be a turning point year for us as a church collectively, but it would be a turning point year for each and every one of us as well. So I want you to get your faith ready. I want you to get ready because this is our time. This is our time to create. This is our time to build. This is our time to serve. This is our time to lead. This is our time to step up collectively and individually and do a whole new reality of what God has. I believe that this is our time is a turning point season for each and every one of us. It's interesting because as you study scripture, you begin to realize that, that God created these pivotal moments. He created these, these strategic seasons, these turning point moments in time for his people. And one of those moments is found in the book of Acts chapter 1. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn there. If not, the verses will be on the screen. Because in Acts chapter 1, we find that the children of God, God's people, the followers of Jesus, in one of these turning point moments like I believe we as a church find ourselves in today. Let me kind of set the story. Basically, the book of Acts is a continuation of the book of Luke. And so the book of Luke was written, and, and at the end of the book of Luke, uh, Jesus was crucified on the cross. They buried him in a tomb. He was dead for three days. Three days later, he rises from the dead in victory. And when Jesus rises from the dead in victory, it is on. It's like, woo! And the followers of Jesus are like, told ya, what's up now? Oh yeah, who's awesome now? Our king conquered death, take that. And so the followers of Jesus are like, just rolling. They are feeling it. There is victory in the air, there is excitement, and they are just pumped. And for 40 days, Jesus continues to show up periodically, the Bible records, to over 500 people, showing himself as risen, showing himself as real. But then where the book of Luke ends and the book of Acts picks up, Jesus is about to, to change the landscape for his followers yet again. He's about to create yet another turning point moment for them. 
we pick up the story in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, and it says this. After his suffering, speaking of Jesus, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Verse 5, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? What's going on here? Basically this, the, the followers of Jesus think they got it all figured out. They think that now that Jesus has risen from the dead, that the next step will be that he establishes himself in the political system as the king of Israel. They think they know what's going on. They think, all right, we're going to Jerusalem. Cool, we got it. Jesus is going to uh, you know, appoint himself king. We're going to overthrow the government and the political system, and we're going to be like, ha-ha, what's up now? What's up now? Gotcha, gotcha. Our king is king. Ha-ha, take that. They think they got it all figured out. But right here, Jesus throws them a curveball. Look at it in verse 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. And they're like, what? What are, you, what are you trying to say? You're trying to say that we don't got it all figured out? And Jesus is like, yeah, everything's about to get nutty. Get ready. Look, verse 8. But you will receive power, Jesus said to them, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And when he said that, they were like, yep, that's what we thought. It's going to be here in Jerusalem. It's going to be us, and it's going to, this is what's going to happen. We're going to be his witnesses in Jerusalem. Cool. And then, but Jesus goes on. In Judea, and they're like, oh, okay, that's kind of the surrounding region around Jerusalem. All right, yeah, all right, we can do Judea. That's fine, sure. But he takes it a step further. In Samaria, and at that point, the, the listeners, his followers are going, whoa, time out. Samaria is like the wrong side of the tracks. You know that, right? You know that, like, we take the long way home so we don't have to go through Samaria. Because we don't, we don't want to associate with those people. We don't want to touch those people. That's, that's Samaria. Jesus, surely, I mean, Jerusalem is cool and Judea, yeah, we're cool. Samaria? And then Jesus makes a statement that absolutely blows their mind. He says to them, you're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem and Judea, into Samaria, the wrong side of the tracks, and to the ends of the earth. And when Jesus made this statement, he threw his followers for a total loop. Because they weren't seeing this one coming. Because all of a sudden, no one down through history, none of the Bible scholars, the religious teachers of the day, no one saw what we know as the local church coming. And in this moment, Jesus plants a seed with his followers and says, there is a new thing that I am doing. There is a new season coming, and it is called the local church, and you're going to be the core of it. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You're the ones. And with that, Jesus ascends into heaven. And so they're all standing there on the hillside, and he's like, go back to Jerusalem and wait because the Holy Spirit's coming, and you're going to be my witnesses, and I'm going to create a new movement through you guys that will touch the ends of the earth. And then he's like, see ya. And he ascends into heaven, and all of the followers, you can read it in Acts 1, are just standing there going, just draws on the floor going, what in the world just happened? 
And the Bible records in Acts 1, it's hilarious, that they're standing there just with jaws on the ground going, what? And all of a sudden, an angel shows up and is like, hey, what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, we're not real sure what we're doing. And the angel's like, well, what did Jesus tell you to do? And they're like, go to Jerusalem. And the angel said, well, then do that. Stop standing there looking up into heaven. He's gone. Go back to Jerusalem because there's a new movement coming. And in that moment... The followers of Jesus had a decision to make. In that moment, they had a decision. Would they trust Jesus and step into it and embrace this new thing, this new chapter that God had planned for them? Or would they return to Jerusalem and just kind of do their own thing? And so there they were, standing there looking up into heaven, and the angel says, hey, just do what he told you to do. And so they do. Fast forward to chapter 2. And you find that they kind of wandered back into Jerusalem, and you end up with about 120 of them who end up in an upper room of the temple. And they're there, these, these 120 followers of Jesus going, we're not real sure what we're supposed to be doing right now. We're not real sure where this journey is taking us, but okay, Jesus, we're in. You told us to come here and wait. And the next thing you know is they're praying and worshiping and, and believing together. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes on them, just like Jesus said it would. And all of a sudden, it hits. And it doesn't just infiltrate the upper room, but all of a sudden, it filters down and spreads into the streets. And at that time of year, there were, were people gathered from all kinds of nations all around the known world into Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, these disciples, now filled with the Holy Spirit, begin to, to filter out into the streets of Jerusalem. And every person they meet, even if they spoke a different language, they were preaching the gospel to them in their own language, in different languages, all across the city streets. And, and Peter, kind of the leader of this band of brothers of the day, recognizing what's going on, recognizing this opportunity, stands up in chapter 2 at the end of, of this chapter. And he stands on the temple courts, and he's got thousands of people there listening, going, what in the world? Are you guys drunk? What is going on? This is crazy. Who is this Jesus that you're telling us about in our own language? And Peter stands up, and he preaches the first sermon in what you and I know to be the local church of Jesus Christ, a movement that for 2,000 years has ceased to, to cease, has kept going and going and going. And today, 2,000 years later, guys, we are still a part of the movement of Jesus Christ on the earth today that spread from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And we, Next Level Church, are a part of that move today. Woo! And here's the reason why. Because a group of people recognized a, a divine moment in time and said, this is our time. And we will not shy away from this time, but we will step out and step up in faith, and we will do whatever it takes to pursue what God had for them. Listen, for almost four years, the people of God had waited and followed and, and watched and listened and experimented, and in this moment, when Jesus finally left the scene, they had a choice to make. And they chose to say, this is our time. We will step up. We will go forth. And when they decided to lean in and embrace the move of God, a brand new thing was birthed on the earth. And we know it is the local church. And I believe that we, Next Level Church, find ourselves today in a similar moment. A moment, a crossroads, a turning point where every single one of us who are listening today are faced with a choice, the same choice that that 120 followers back then in the early church were faced with. 
We are faced with a choice to say, will we step up and recognize that this is a unique time and that God has called us as a body to step in and lead and create and build and serve and advance his message to the ends of the earth like never before? Or will we just back away from it? See, every journey starts somewhere, doesn't it? I mean, I look at the early church, and I, I, I think about the fact that their, their journey started on a hillside with their mouths open, watching Jesus. And then it went to an upper room. And then it went to the temple courts. Thousands and thousands of people were receiving Christ and being advanced. But here's, here's the thing. Every journey starts somewhere. And I look at the journey of Next Level Church now for eight years, and I can't help but look around and think that this journey started in a little two-bedroom, 800-square-foot apartment off of Summerlin Road with myself and my wife, and Mike Ash and Dave Donahue, and the four of us sitting around a card table dreaming about what a church like this could look like, having conversations, praying it through, saying, God, what is possible in southwest Florida if we could step into what you're doing? What kind of church is possible? And our journey took us from that two-bedroom apartment to a coffee shop, to a movie theater, now to a high school. And see, here's the other thing that I think we have to realize from the story is not only does every journey start somewhere, but every journey has steps. And for that small group in Jerusalem, their steps were the 120 of them in the upper room, and then there were several thousand of them in the temple courts. And then from there, persecution hit. God allowed persecution to hit them so that they would be sent out from Jerusalem because they had a good thing going. They were comfortable. They were doing the deal. Thousands of people showing up. They were comfortable. And God gave them a little nudge and pushed them out of the nest and said, hey, I want you to take this thing from Jerusalem to Judea. Some of them ended up in Samaria. And a whole bunch of them ended up in, to the ends of the then time known world. And I look at our journey as a church for eight years, and I begin to recognize that at every step of our journey, God has been with us. I think about that two-bedroom apartment, and I think that God was there. And those early conversations around that card table, God was there. I think about the coffee shop and how we met in a, in a little coffee shop called Lighthouse Coffee Company on Boy Scout Drive. And how the first Tuesday night that we had our Bible study, nobody showed up, but God was there. And the second Tuesday night, we had prayed and invited, and nobody showed up, but God was there. And that third week, when the first couple came into that coffee shop, God was there. And for months, Tuesday night after Tuesday night, God began to fill that coffee shop and fill the hearts of the people there. I think of, about our time in the movie theater and how God was there. That Sarah and I were sitting in this movie theater, at the top of this movie theater on a date night, eight years ago. And I looked at my wife during the previous and I said, hey, this would be a great place for a church. The following Monday I went in and I talked to the, the manager there and she said, you know, we've never had a church here, but I actually helped a church get into a movie theater in Cape Coral. Why don't I talk to my manager and see what we can do? And God was there. And for 200 Sundays, for four years... God was there. I think about our first 1,036 square feet of office space in the Outback Steakhouse Plaza. We had four offices and a great room. 
and the great room was about the size of the bathrooms. But God was there. I think about how on Easter of 2006, God opened the door for us to move into this facility. And now for nearly four years, week after week, month after month, God is here. I think about how in 2007, God opened the door for us to, to, to lease 6,300 square feet of warehouse space where we've got now a meeting space for 150 people and our student ministry meets there every Wednesday night and our worship teams rehearse there and we've got about 3,000 square feet of office space where our offices are and where, where ministry can find a hub at Next Level Church and how from 2007 forward, God has been there. And think about how in January of 2008, we went to two services here in the school. And God has been here. God has met with us. At every step of the journey, God has been here. I look over the last 12 months, just in, two, just in 2009 alone, and I, I marvel at the hand of God. That in the midst of being in a region of the country that's one of the worst hit economically, in the midst of having one of the highest unemployment rates, God, week after week, month after month, has been here. In 2009, we, our church grew by over 25% in attendance. Yeah. And the reason why that matters is because every family that has come and made Next Level Church their home, every single executive that's come and made Next Level Church their home, every child that now attends faithfully our, our children's ministry, every junior high student who goes to our morph environments on Sunday morning, every person, every one person that comes to Next Level Church is a life, is a story, is a face that's been changed for the glory of God. Amen. Kind of feels a little like the State of the Union, you know. Some people over here clap, some people over here not so much. It's okay. <laughs> I think about the fact that in the last 12 months, we've adopted two of the hardest hit neighborhoods in all of Southwest Florida downtown. And we've made a determination that we as a church are not going to forget about the forgotten. We're going to reach them, and we're going to serve them, and we're going to love them, and we're going to lift those communities and the people of them. I think about the fact that we've seen hundreds and hundreds of us be mobilized to serve in those communities. I think about how we've seen hundreds of us finding authentic, real relationships in our connection groups. And I look back at the last 12 months and I marvel at what God has done. But if I'm being honest with you, I would have to admit that it's at times like this where it's possible to get comfortable. But you know, isn't it interesting how God has a way of like gently nudging us? Well, about seven or eight months ago, God started to nudge us in terms of facility because I'll be honest with you, we love the school. This room is amazing. We are so appreciative to the taxpayers of the state of Florida for the $40 million investment that they've made for us as Next Level Church. And all we have to do is let a few hundred, you know, high school students in here Monday to Friday. Like, I love that. That's tax dollars at work, baby. But it'd be real easy for us to get comfortable here. But guess what? Over the last several months, God has gently been nudging us on a leadership level saying, listen, there's more. There's more. Programmatically, we started to hit a lid on some things. We started to look around and, and recognize that we're becoming more of a nuisance to the high school than maybe we realize. 
We started to realize that there are just some people in our community who will never come to a high school for church, no matter how great our guys do at setting it all up and making it not look like a high school, but looking like a church. And our crews do an amazing job. But we started to begin to realize last summer that God had us in a season of preparation. And he was nudging us and pushing us and saying, get ready, there's more. Of course, for us from the beginning, for eight years, you guys, many of you know that our philosophy in terms of building or facility has always been this. That we believe buildings are a tool to build people. And we're never going to use people as a tool to build buildings. That buildings are, all right, come on. Buildings are the tool to build people. And guess what? As you're going to see here in the next few minutes, none of that is going to change. That is our philosophy. And we've always said, even all the way back to the movie theater days, that as long as a facility is working for us, we're going to keep doing that. But the minute we feel like we're working to make a facility work, that's when we're going to start to say, okay, God, what else could you have? And so last summer we came to a place where we started to realize that that was the case. We started to realize that, that it was time for us to start praying and believing that God may have something and does have something else beyond the high school for us. So we began the search in August of last year. And we started to look from I-75 to about Summerlin, west of Summerlin, north to Colonial, south to about six-mile Cypress Gladiolus, in that box, and believing God, saying, okay, God, we believe for the first location, the first permanent facility of Next Level Church, we believe that that box, or real close to it, is where you may want us to be. And so we made a list of about 60 different possibilities. And guys, when I tell you we listed everything, I mean it. Everything from car dealerships to old grocery stores, uh, raw land, um, other churches to, uh, I mean, warehouse buildings. And so we began the search. And we had a list of like 60 possibilities. And Pastor Scott headed up that search along with some others. And we got a, some, a realtor involved. And we began our search. And for several months, I'll be honest with you, we just come, came up with nothing. And every one of those 60, as we went down the list, just nothing, 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 nothing. There were days where I would walk into Pastor Scott's office and be like, give me something. Season of preparation. <laughs> and he's like. <sighs> so the strangest thing happened. While I was praying last fall, every time I would pray about the future facility of Next Level Church, God kept bringing back one church to my mind. And it was a church that had actually contacted us months ago and said, hey, we want to relocate to Estero, and we know you guys are portable. Would you be, ever be interested in our facility? And Pastor Scott and I and some of our board, and, uh, we went over, we walked the facility, we looked around, and to be real honest with you, it was too small, and we just said, man, this is probably not a fit. It's, this probably isn't going to work. Well, last fall, every time I would pray about the future facility, I felt in my heart like God said, call that pastor. Call that pastor. So I call him. And Scott and I, we invite him over to my office, and we have, we have a meeting with him. And we sit down, and I basically looked at him and said, listen, here's the deal. Uh, your facility is too small for us, and it's kind of like 25 years old, and so it's probably not going to work, uh, but Jesus told me to call you. <laughs> and he was like, well, praise the Lord, brother. <laughs> so it's kind of like this really weird kind of meeting, whatever. So about a week later, Scott walks into my office, and he says, hey, I've been thinking about this. What if we could, we could get that, that church, because there's a 14,000 square foot building on it, and it sits on 10 acres of land right up the road here on Plantation Road, 
just two miles north of where we're seated right now, same side of the road. And the name of the church is Celebration Family Church. And he said, what if we could, we could, we could buy that, take the 14,000 square feet, gut it, renovate it, completely next levelize it, and then add another 10 or 12,000 square feet to it. That would give us 25,000 square feet, basically, of what we need to do for a Sunday morning. I said, all right, I like the way you're thinking. So we talked to the board about it. We prayed, and we made an offer to that church, not knowing what they would, would expect. We lowballed them pretty bad. And in Jesus' name, <laughs> love you. <laughs> Lowball. <laughs> we believe God was a really good steward. <clears throat> still is. And, you know, we didn't know what the response would be. We didn't know if we'd offend them or whatever. Well, uh, so, so we lowball them, and then their offer came in, their counter came real close. Of course, at the same time, the board and our leaders are asking, you know, well, what is property worth right now? You know, in this economy, it's kind of like, what the heck? You know, who knows what's worth what? So we had our realtor start doing some checking, and he called us one day, and he said, you're never going to believe this. All of the commercial market, real estate market, in Lee County is trending downward, except for one road, Plantation Road, for two reasons. One, because the brand new hospital just opened up, and so all of these new doctors and medical plazas are, are slated to go in up Plantation. And secondly, Plantation used to tee at Idlewild right up here, but they just opened the brand new extension that hooks it onto Colonial, which becomes Veronica Shoemaker, which goes right past our two communities downtown that we've adopted. Come on, 5.5 miles, what's up? And he said, there is raw land on plantation under contract for $9 to $13 a square foot, just for the land. Well, we started doing some math, recognizing that in this zone of, of what we were offering, counter-offering, that whole deal, we were basically in the range of about $1.50 a square foot plus the 14,000 square foot building plus the church zoning, which is hugely valuable for us. What's up now? Okay, so we counter back, and he counters back again, and whatever the counter was, we're like, baby, we're taking it. And they came off another hundred grand, and we got it. So guys, we got 10 acres of land. Woo! Yeah! Yeah! Woo! <laughs> wow. A 14,000-square-foot building, 10 acres of land on plantation, plus church zoning for 20 cents on the dollar to market value. As if God were in it. <laughs> Woo! Now, here's the thing. It's still too small. And it needs to be next-levelized. So, we've been working with some architects and our builder and some civil engineers and all of that. And so here's basically what we have come up with is um, we are going to be, be completely gutting and renovating the 14,000 square foot building. And then we're going to be adding about 10 or 12,000 approximately additional space to that, which will give us the ability to accommodate our church as it exists now. You can see there uh, on the screen a, a basic footprint of what we're looking to do. The purple and the blue there on the screen uh, is the existing building. So that box is the existing 14,000 square feet. Everything in yellow and green 
is brand new construction that we're going to be adding. So uh, at the bottom of the green, you can see kind of that backward C. That's like a welcome center. So that would be your main entrance right there at the bottom of the green section into a huge foyer. Everything in green would be our huge foyer. And then obviously to the right, the yellow section is a 750-seat auditorium uh, that'll just be state-of-the-art, incredible stuff. To the left then, all of the purple and blue area will be our children and kids zones. And so you'll see one secure entrance there. And then everything to the top of kind of that Z-shaped hallway will be all of our elementary uh, education stuff. You can see um, there diagonal is an elementary large group space. And then we'll have six different elementary age classrooms. So everything in terms of our philosophy of small groups and large group for our children will completely stay in place and completely be the same. Then you can see the light blue to the bottom bottom of the zigzag hallway there will be all of our pre-K environments. And so we've got some huge rooms there that we can accommodate all of our babies and nurseries, toddlers, pre-K, all of that. Then beyond that is the purple section, and you can see a, a, like a 150-seat secondary auditorium over there, which will basically be like our warehouse space for, for things like our Access NLC, things like leadership training, dinners, things, things like that that we do. All of that can happen over there. There's another set of restrooms, and then the bottom left corner in the purple is a huge kitchen which will just be incredible that we can do food and meals and the whole deal. So guys, all told, that thing ends up basically being a, a, a approximately 25,000 square feet. It gives us a 750-seat auditorium, 150-seat second auditorium. Gives us a huge foyer and coffee bar area for us to hang out. All of our kids' zone, kids' ministries, all of our pre-K ministries. We feel like this is amazing, functional, practical space that will become the future home of Next Level Church. Let me say this, things like, like drawings like that, that's like the fifth rendition. Matter of fact, we're going to give you a brochure here in a few minutes. And the one in the brochure has already changed like five times since then. So here's, here's what else is happening today. Today we are officially launching a new website called thisisourtime.org. Thisisourtime.org. And on thisisourtime.org, you're going to be able to see the most current uh, footprint of the facility. You can print it off. You can pray over it. You can show it to people. And that website is going to be amazing because it's not just going to be giving updates concerning the building project and all of that we're doing here over the next year or so. But it also will be a place where you and I can go on and tell our story. That we can talk about the story of life change that God is doing in us and that God has done in us and through us. So that, make sure you go to thisisourtime.org uh, today or this week. Check out that website because things will be changing and that will be the place for this entire season where you can go and get the latest on everything that's happening at Next Level Church. So what does this mean for all of us financially? What does this begin to look like? Well, here's what it looks like. Basically, we are able to purchase the 10 acres plus the 14,000 square foot building and all the zoning and all of that. We're under contract right now for $1.625 million. And then we talked to our builder and we said, listen, um, we want you to, to estimate for us, ballpark for us, what renovating all that, gutting it, remodeling it, next levelizing it, and then adding the additional space to it will cost. And I said right up front, I said, listen, two things. Matt doesn't like surprises and neither do church people. <laughs> so aim high. Give us a high number. We want to know, you know, worst case scenario, what's this going to cost us? And so they basically ballparked, estimated uh, all of the renovations and new construction, all of the land development, everything else, at about high end, real high end, $2.8 million. 
which brings the total project to $4.5 million, which for me is pretty incredible when you consider that right now on plantation, if you go just a little further north of our property, there is our property. What's up now? When you go further north, there's like raw land, 10 acres of just raw land that's selling for like 4.3 to 4.8 million. So when we look at 4.5, we're talking about all of it, the space, the landscape, the renovations, everything, move-in ready, all of the soft cost, every chair, every table, every technology piece, everything would be included in that $4.5 million price. So, uh, so basically, we're working with some banks right now in terms of financing, and everything we're hearing is telling us that we need 25% down, which is basically $1.2 million to make this happen. Now, the good news is that from the time we began through 2008, we were able to save from some one-time gifts as well as just being good stewards of, of the offerings that came in. We were able to save about $185,000 through 2008. Then last year, we did our four future facility offerings each quarter. And in our four future facility offerings, we had another $84,000 come in last year just from the future facility offerings alone, which is pretty incredible when you consider that we stood up here each quarter and went, we don't know anything, give. And we all gave. Incredible. So uh, we had that. And then additionally, in 2009... Just from the growth we've seen, as well as sticking to our budget like crazy and being just financially good stewards, we were able to save another $92,000 on top of the other money that we already had. So the good news is, of that $1.2 million that we need for the 25% down, we already have over $360,000 for this project. That's over 30%. That's, that's basically the equivalent of teeing off from the ladies' tees. All you golfers, guys, you know what I'm talking about. Every time you're like, man, how do I hit from the reds? Well, we're, baby, we're hitting from the reds. That's what I'm talking about. So we're teeing off with a good head start, and we feel great about that. Guys, let me just say this. Listen, this is our time. This is our time. Just like the first church in Jerusalem who saw their moment and embraced it, so must we. This is our time to take the next step as a church, to position ourselves as a church, to impact Southwest Florida, the United States, and the world in the years to come like we never could otherwise. So what does this mean? What does this mean for all of us? Well, three things that I think that this means for each and every one of us who call Next Level Church our home. First of all, I would ask you to, number one, begin praying. I would ask each and every one of us to begin praying. Listen, I hope there will be a parade of cars driving down Plantation Road in about 15 minutes when we dismiss our time together and, and who are just driving by going, wow, that's a really ugly blue roof. But we're praying anyway in Jesus' name. All right, which if you want to buy a blue roof, we got a good one for sale. That's what I'm talking about because we're frugal like that. <laughs> Blue roof's not staying. <laughs> Listen, I, I pray. I want us to begin to pray over this land. I want Every time you come to church and you're driving down plantation, man, just start praying what God could do with that land, with that facility. Begin praying for our leaders. Pray for our builders. Pray for our, our subs. Pray, uh, pray for each other. Pray in your connection groups. Pray with your kids at home. Guys, we must cover this entire season in prayer. 
We need God's Spirit to continue to shine His face upon us. Second thing then, what does this mean for all of us? Number one, we must begin praying. Number two, I would ask that each one of us begin preparing for our miracle offering on March the 7th. What's that? Basically, here's what we're going to do. One month from today, Sunday, March the 7th, we're going to be concluding our This Is Our Time series. And on March the 7th, we are doing something we've never done before in the history of Next Level Church, and that's this. We are going to be receiving what we're calling our miracle offering. And we are believing that if each one of us will get alone and pray and seek the face of God and say, God, what could I do? What is possible in the next 28 days? If each one of us will get alone with God and say, God, what do you want me and my house to do for this project? We're believing that we can take a huge bite, if not all of, come on, that 800000 that we need to get to 1.2. So guys, March the 7th, one month from today, we're going to be receiving our miracle offering. And let me just say this as a, as a side note. Listen, throughout this entire season, I would ask that when it comes to giving, when it comes to finance, don't listen to me. Don't listen to man. Never listen to man when it comes to this sort of a thing. Because anytime we listen to man, we're prone to manipulation. Listen, I have a responsibility as a leader to make the opportunity known to us. As far as what God wants to do through us, that's your responsibility. That's the responsibility of each and every one of us who, who are part of Next Level to get alone with Jesus and say, God, as for me and my house, what do you want us to do? So that's why we're not going to come to your house. We're not going to write a number on a piece of paper and slide it across the table and go. And have you look back and go. <laughs> Listen, that's just horrible. Okay, well, you don't want to go to that church. And neither do I. I don't want to pastor that church, and I don't want to come to your house and do that to you. So we're not going to. Listen, we're not going to do that whole man-made manipulation stuff. We're just not. I hope that's all right. We're just going to treat you as we want to be treated. And here's how we think that looks. We think in a season like this that every one of us have a personal, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's our responsibility to get alone and seek the face of God and say, God, what do you want me to do? What's possible in the next four weeks? And, and finally, ask the question to God, God, what will honor you? What will honor you? Because at the end of the day, isn't that what it's all about? It's about us being faithful to whatever Jesus asks us to do. It's, it's us being obedient to say, okay, God, I can do that. So begin praying over this whole entire season that we're walking through. Number two, begin preparing for our miracle offering on March the 7th. And number three, begin praying about making a six-month commitment toward the need from April to September. In addition to our miracle offering, we're going to be challenging every one of us who call Next Level Church our home to a six-month commitment. I don't know if you've ever been a part of a church where, like, they ask you to make, like, a three-year commitment. I know I have, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, three years? I don't even know where I'm going to be next month. <laughs> you know, it's like, what is going on? So I will say this. We understand the attention span of next-level church people, okay? <laughs> and we recognize that six months is stretching it. Present case included. So, we're going to be, we are launching this season called This Is Our Time to stand together, and I'm going to ask our ushers right now to begin to pass out a brochure that's called This Is Our Time that we have for everyone. 
And here's what I want you to do, though. We have intentionally kept, kept the lights low so that you can't read it. Okay, you'll have time to read it in a minute, but I want to I put this in every person's hands, husband and wife, every one of us individually, get one of these in your hands right now so that we can pray together. Because I want us to pray over this project. I want us to pray that God will lead us over the next year or so as we pursue this and we remodel and we renovate and we new construct and the whole deal, that God will lead us. But the second thing that I want us to pray about this morning is for each other. Because here's what I know. I know that there are some of us in this room right now who need a miracle. There are some of us whose relationships are on the rocks and you need Jesus to show up and do a miracle. There are some of us that they've told you you're the next round of layoffs and you need God to show up and do a miracle in your life today. There are some of us who are here today and, and you, you're believing for God in this one area or with this dream that you have or this entrepreneurial concept that God's placed in your life and you need Jesus to show up and show you the next step of your journey. So I don't know what you've come in with today that's on your heart, that's on your mind, but I want you to know something. This is a season of miracles. I was, as I've been sharing this with individuals and families and couples over the last month, I've been telling them, and praying at the end and saying, listen, do you need God to touch you? Is there something you need? Is there a miracle that you need God to do in your life? Because I got faith. I got big faith. And I want you to know, I prayed with a couple last week. who The, the husband said to me, my job is being relocated to Kansas City. But my wife and I feel like we're not supposed to leave the area. So in eight weeks, I'm going to be out of a job unless God provides another one. And on Friday night, he walked up to me and he said, hey, guess what? After we prayed... I got the job. There were dozens and dozens of applicants in this economy, in this market, and they chose me. I got the job, and I said, that's what I'm talking about. Guys, come on. Come on. This is a season where we got to get our faith up. we got to get it going. Why? Because this is our time. This is our time to believe for miracles. So if you have this, will you hold it in your hand right now? And Father God, we put our hands on this flyer, this brochure, as, as the future next step of Next Level Church. And God, we pray that the miraculous would come. We pray over the next 28 days, between now and our miracle offering, that you would be a God of miraculous supply. That, Father, you would give us miraculous creativity and wisdom, God, that we can move around things, that we can sell things, that we can liquidate some things. That, God, we could, you would release us from some things. God, you'd bring bonuses. You'd bring tax returns. God, you'd bring your crazy miraculous creativity to such a degree that, God, in one day, we could take such a huge chunk, if not all, of that 800,000 and see it come in, God. So Father, we pray, Lord, over the construction, over the, the architects, over the subs, God, over every piece of this. We pray for our board of directors and the leaders of our church that you give us wisdom as we navigate forward, that we could be wise stewards with this entire project. And Father, right now I pray across this room for miracles. Lord, you see people You see people, you see where they're walking in faith, where they need a miracle, where they need you to show up. And I pray right now, God, that by the power of your spirit, miracles would begin to happen across this church. Lord, that the stories would begin to show up on thisisourtime.org of people going, you're never going to believe this. You're never going to believe this. And we're going to read them and say, yeah, we believe it because God is here, because God has turned his face on us, because God is present, because God is moving, because this is our time.
And so Jesus, we pray that the miraculous working power of your spirit would touch homes and touch individuals, would touch marriages, where children who are away from you would be drawn close in these coming days. God, do what only you can do. Do the miraculous. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.